Welcome to the Co-op Power Hour on KGNU's It's the Economy. I'm Paul Bindle, and I'll be joining you on the fourth Thursday of every month to learn about economic democracy and cooperative business. The Co-op Power Hour is a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle, which you can learn more about at our website, coloradocoops.info. Today, we're talking about artist co-ops throughout, the metro, throughout metro Denver, and we're glad to be joined by Stephanie and Michael Hancock, as well as Mark Brajewell. Stephanie and Michael Hancock are two of the founders of 5280 Artist Co-op, which is located in Aurora Cultural Arts District. They bring together musicians, visual art, poetry, and even plays to celebrate the multiple talents that are uh, present in Aurora. Mark Brajewell is the president of Spark Gallery, which is in the Santa Fe Arc District. Um, I'm going to let both of you tell, or all of you, tell us a little bit more about your co-ops. Do you want to start out um, in describing Spark Gallery, Mark? Sure. Uh, Spark Gallery is one of the oldest uh, cooperative art galleries in Denver, uh, over 30 years old. Um, we currently are at 9th and Santa Fe, and we are a collective of artists, about 23 currently. We offer a wide range of contemporary and alternative art. Uh, we also host events and openings and are very uh, committed to the community that we're in. Great. And which, what different forms do, do your artists represent? Uh, we do everything from painting, drawing, installation art, uh, sometimes performance. We even offer uh, DJs a space sometimes to um, come to our shows and play at our events. Um, we are a contemporary space, so we focus on contemporary art and art that's outside of what's shown in regular museums or even regular galleries. In a gallery situation, you're expected to sell, and we offer a place where people can make art and do what they want to do without the pressure of having to sell artwork. Thank you for sharing that. So Stephanie and Michael, tell us a little bit more about 5280 Artist Co-op. Well, 5280 Artist Co-op was founded about two years ago in the Aurora Cultural Arts District. It came together um, with three ladies, myself, Stephanie Hancock, Adrian Martin Fullwood, who is an actor, and Kenya Fashaw, who is a writer and a poet. And so we saw the need to create an opportunity for ourselves kind of independently. Um, we saw that roles and opportunities weren't as plentiful as we would have liked, and so we decided to create opportunities for ourselves. So what 5280 Artist Co-op does is we go across disciplines. We combine the talents of visual artists, dancers, poets, writers. We're currently doing a theatrical production called Colorism, written and directed by Kenya Fashaw. And um, this play runs through the end of February, but we've also decided to add another component this time, um, a live art exhibit. So we have artists from the local area. Our youngest artist is only 14 years old. And so we have art hanging in the Aurora Cultural Arts District space at 1400 Dallas Street. Great. So it sounds like both of your co-ops are offering visual art, but they are serving sort of different different roles and they have different mediums that are present. Um, I would love to hear from both of you, um, well, from all of you, what are the benefits that you see um, as artists in a cooperative? What are some of the things that you've experienced that have like helped you um, either create art, sell art, or as Mark said, not everyone is interested in selling art, but producing art? Well, um, 
a cooperative gallery is an ideal place for someone that, that's starting out, that has, doesn't have a big reputation, isn't uh, selling artwork, and it's a place for them to play and, and do new things. And we don't limit to just visual art. It is uh, all types of art are considered uh, for our space. Uh, the benefits, the real benefit is you get to do exactly what you want to do, and you can sometimes make some mistakes and make art that's maybe not your best work. Uh, a regular commercial gallery would get rid of you in a heartbeat. <laughs> if you didn't sell work, if you weren't doing what they wanted you to do. So we relieve that pressure and allow people to do whatever they want to and uh, with no judgment, no censorship. And uh, we provide a, a really, when you have your show, you can do anything you want to. For example, on my show that's upcoming, I'm going to be doing a live drawing a couple of nights and just have people come and watch someone make art. Uh, you really don't have that opportunity in a commercial or even a gallery setting. Mm -hmm. uh, Denver Art Museum does do a great program where they invite artists to show and make art in front of a public forum on a weekend. I've been part of that before, and that's a great thing, but we offer no holds barred. You can do anything you want to. If you want to stay open 24 hours a day, you can do that. I don't know who's going to be coming at 3 in the morning. But, <laughs> but it's open. Yeah. <laughs> We're <It's> open. open. <laughs> the way Denver's growing, it could happen. It could happen. Um, and that's the freedom of being part of the, the cultural arts district. We, have, we don't have those limitations, uh, like Mark said, that people can come and experiment. Like I said, our youngest artist is 14. This is her first her first show and so she um contributed two pieces and one of them actually sold so it was really kind of nice for her to be able to sell stuff and we gave we give opportunities to people who like mark said wouldn't generally get that opportunity and we have the flexibility being a co-op we don't have a membership per se it's not like a traditional you join you have a membership and you come in and no it's not like that we do it on a case-by-case -case basis depending on what we're trying to create. So in this case, we um, audition actors for colorism. So we have eight actors in that play. And then we ask nine artists to participate in the visual art piece. And then we even had a scent doctor come in. So he has herbs and teas and those kind of things come in. And we had a gal who, um, Rhoda, she did... Um, um, stones, healing stones and jewelry and that kind of thing. So it was a really nice, you know, gumbo and it just gives the community an opportunity to come in and see what the Aurora Cultural Arts District is doing because sadly a lot of people don't know that we're there. We're kind of like Horton, here's a who, you know, yeah. we're, we're here and we want you to come and experience what we have to offer. Yeah, I think one of the key benefits uh, associated with 52 Artists Co-op is the fact that we are about building an audience audience that can experience what the artists uh, create. And uh, that's, uh, generally speaking, artists are, don't uh, pay a lot of attention to marketing <laughs> and building an audience. And uh, with the internet, uh, these days, that makes it, uh, it makes it a lot easier for us to do that sort of thing. And so we can leverage uh, what they do into a ever-growing audience. Cooperative galleries also appeal to many different people. So when you have 23 artists, you have 23 different artists. You don't have people that are doing the same thing over and over. 
So if you come to our gallery regularly, you'll see something different every few weeks. Yeah, and so how often do different shows change at Spark? We are on a one-month schedule, so we uh, have uh, one main opening, then we also have First Fridays, which is on uh, Santa Fe Arts District. Um, So we're doing about one every four weeks or so. And the same with the Aurora Cultural Arts District as well. Our um, exhibit ends on the 25th, and then there will be a new um, installation beginning March 1st, along with Theater Esprit Asia, which is another um, company that occupies the Aurora Cultural Arts District space. They'll be doing something. So it kind of rotates every month. Great. In in addition to that, uh, there's a great thing about us doing our turnarounds. Our turnarounds happen probably within a week, right? Uh, the Denver Art Museum, for example, it can be months before you have another show. So we're constant on all the time. And it keeps it fresh. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really invites, like Michael was saying, building an audience and drawing them in. It really helps to draw new people who wouldn't normally come to see your space. Now, um, Mark, you've actually worked in other co-ops before, like you were a part of the Edge Gallery. Correct. Uh, I was one of the very first artists that showed uh, at Edge. I was part of Edge Gallery before it became a cooperative gallery. And the founder of that gallery, uh, Ken Peterson, uh, asked all of his favorite artists to just become a co-op. And uh, we started that in 1990. And I just, I had been a member there till about 2013. And now I've been at Spark. But Great. Uh, Edge is one of the founding cooperative scenes in Colorado. So you've worked with co-ops for a while and Stephanie and Michael, you have been working with a co-op as well. How have you seen it sort of amplify um, the reach for individual artists or have you seen different artists um, reach uh, maybe new audiences or access? Well, I tell you the big difference from late 1980s to now is the internet. It has changed everything. Before, you would just go and have a little poster and and give it out to people and bring it to all your friends, that kind of thing. Now, all you do is do a Facebook invite, (laughs) and and it's there, and you get a wide variety of people, not just people that know you but know the gallery or know uh, the artist that was at their space. Mm-hmm. We find that to be a huge game changer for right. us because with our co-op, we're so small. You know, we're three ladies and a man. And so for us, if we didn't have that reach, it would be very difficult, as Mark is saying, to try to get that um, information out there. But we find that when people come, it's always new people all the time, which is really great. They found out about us, and now they are coming, and they're telling their friends. And I think word of mouth still helps quite a bit, too. Um, But also the Internet influence has helped as well. Mm -hmm. And having opportunities like this, anytime you can get on the radio, that kind of thing, it doesn't happen as much as it used to happen. And uh, I know uh, Kuvo used to do something a long time ago with the art uh, community, and I've done that before. But having all kinds of forms, not just TV, not just the papers, not just handing out stuff, a, a wide variety of things has kind of changed the co-op scene forever. So how do you, so some co-ops, are, one major feature of co-ops is that they have um, democratic decision-making. How do you guys structure decision-making in your cooperatives? Um, 
Well, we're we're pretty democratic. <laughs> we we talk about everything that we do because we are small. We're limber and we can do a lot of things. I feel like we can do what we want. And so for us, we talk about, hey, let's do this project. And then we decide who we want to contact, how we want to do it. We put it together and we put it up. Um, we've had some really good successes. We've had a couple hiccups, but that's all part of the learning process. And so for us, we, we work well together. And because we do, it makes our creation really quite great. And with Michael, he is our technical advisor. He Everything technical, he helps us with and advises us on. And it, it's just a major component that helps us be what we are and you know one of the key things is is that you know ideas that come forth generally are things that we very easily as uh, collectively as a team decide to to do uh but there is really no like idea that we're sort of stuck on doing it we might do something for a year and take a look at it see if it worked or not and then move on to something else so uh i think uh we just have a lot of flexibility I think one of the things Stephanie may have talked about is that we're launching a music series uh, beginning in May and where we'll be doing monthly concerts right in the in the small right because the gallery that we do things in will generally see uh, probably maxed out about 85 people and so uh, the company itself is a, a small number of people only four people but we're constantly engaging and inviting other artists in to do things with us and so now we've got a whole lineup for, through the end of the year now of musicians that will be coming in to uh, to do things with us a spark is kind of like a pseudo traditional structure in that we have a president i'm the president uh, we have a vice president secretary uh, treasurer all that kind of thing but Decisions are kind of offered up throughout the entire membership, and we decide things like, oh, that would be a great idea. Like the current uh, gentrification show that we had, it came from two people real quick, like, oh, what about all these galleries that have just gotten kicked out of their spaces? Let's do a show about them. And so that happened very quickly. And in a traditional uh, gallery setting, you're looking at about 18 months out, easy, yep. or even a new idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're more nimble. Absolutely. Together. And we can, and someone may say, you know, I don't have work ready for a show. Let's do something else. Mm -hmm. So we have that option too. You're listening to the Co-op Power Hour, a regular feature of KGNU's It's the Economy and a podcast of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. I'm Paul Bendel. We'll be with you on the fourth Thursday of every month. Today we're talking about artist co-ops. Coming up, we'll be hearing from two more artist co-ops as we go deeper.
You're listening to the Co-op Power Hour, a regular feature of KGNU's It's the Economy, a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. I'm Paul Bindle. We'll be with you on the fourth Thursday of every month. Today, we're talking about artist co-ops, and we've just heard from Michael and Stephanie Hancock of 5280 Artist Co-op and Mark Brajewell of Spark Gallery. Coming up, we'll be hearing from Charles Livingston of Pirate Contemporary Art and Gene Smith of Zip 37. Charles Livingston is an artist uh, who has been with Pirate for six years. Uh, Pirate Contemporary Art is actually based in the 40 West Arts District, and we're going to let you hear from him in just a second. Gene Smith is from Zip 37, which is located at the Navajo Art District on 37th and Navajo. She has been a member of Zip 37 for 18 years. So tell me a little bit about your co-ops and what your spaces have to offer both co-ops and potentially visitors? Mm-hmm. Well, um, Pirate's an interesting space because uh, we've always, I think everybody in the group, there hasn't been a, like a, a mission statement written or a philosophy, but we do deal with work that is difficult to see in other places. Um, experimental, um, I call it uh, kind of an, an art incubator for new people coming in, um, fresh faces, uh, and seeing you know just different types of experimental works usually video uh painting all the traditional things as well as new media so uh, we like we like things that are challenging we we like things which maybe not even be accepted as art at the moment so um it's it's a very interesting and eclectic group of people is that easy to find an audience for or what is what is that process like that that audience is built in after Pirate's been around for 35 years. So we have this following and uh, anybody, I think, you know, a lot of people who've been anybody in the Denver area have passed through Pirate, had a show there, shown some work there in some way. Um, and I think the audience is always there. It's they've, They're looking for something like that that's much different and explores mediums in different ways. So. Okay, Zip Gallery has um, been around for about 25 years and um, is a co-op as well. Uh, the, the feeling at Zip is a little different than Pirate, I would have to say. Um, it's a little lighter weight, uh, a little more colorful. Uh, maybe people are still pushing the envelope, trying to do what they want to do and do new things and do what they want to do, not what somebody says, oh, you should do this because this sells, or you should do that because that's popular. But people do what they feel like doing. So you just sort of move around in that in that area and uh, try to come up with new and different things. Uh, or you might want to just stay and do the same kind of things. Uh, it, there's no rules or regulations because it is a member-run gallery, and uh, everybody pays the same amount of dues and has the same amount of um, power because uh, we're all even and equal. So Zip has, um, I guess it just has a little bit um, lighter weight I hate to say lighter weight doesn't sound like it's very serious, but um. I wouldn't say lighter weight. <laughs> I, you guys do great work, and I buy work from Zip, even though I can't buy anything from Pirate sometimes because we're doing all these crazy shows. But it is good to walk away with something from an exhibition and and remember that exhibition. And so, and it's affordable. I think it's a really great place yeah. for people to go and find great artwork to put on their walls in their homes, and um, you know. Just, That's good. Yes, we have the back room, the famous back room. <laughs> it's a great place. <laughs> so, do both of your gal- or both of your co-ops have art for sale? 
Yes. Well, they do. They, on a regular basis, Zip does. Uh-huh. Um, Pirate, we just have an exhibition. It's more like a blank canvas. When you come in, the artists can do whatever they want. We do not, we do not allow their work to linger any longer than their exhibition. <laughs> it, it must leave the house. Yeah. And so one of the, I guess, value adds of a cooperative space as opposed to a traditional gallery is that um, artists are not necessarily creating work to sell. They don't have to. Um, they don't have to sell their work. Right. And whereas at a gallery, the main purpose is to right. generate money. You have to generate income. You have to pay the lease. So you have to figure out how to do that. Uh, the beauty about, I mean, a commercial space, they bring the patrons to your work. Um, that uh, They already have a built-in patron base. They do all the marketing for you. And that's, that's one of the things that the co-ops, we have to take that on as individuals ourselves, is market our own selves, market our own shows. And so how does the marketing work in your co-ops? Do you ever share um, resources or promote each other, um, other members in your co-op? Uh, mostly we all only promote ourselves. Now, when we were all together on 37th and Navajo Street, there was a group called the Navajo Street Art District. And it still is floating out there, and hopefully it will come back. Uh, but right now we just only have one art gallery, so it's uh, it's kind of in limbo. We'll see what happens with the other businesses that have moved into the old art spaces. And if we want to continue to call it the Navajo Street Art District, or if we call it something else, uh, that's up in the air. I've been the director of that group for the past, oh, I think about 10 or 12 years, and we were always trying to coordinate things and work together. Uh, we had it all set up real uh, conveniently that there would be an opening. Every Friday there would be an opening by a different gallery, mm-hmm. and that would bring people to the neighborhood. So uh, it would rotate around. Every three weeks your your group would have another opening. So um, I, I think that's one of the only ways we were cooperating, actually, <laughs> yeah, probably. As, as co-ops. Co-op, cooperation among cooperatives. Among cooperatives. <laughs> um, you know, like with Pirate internally, uh, we try and encourage other artists to constantly like bring their patrons. If, if you have patrons, we want you to see other exhibitions at Pirate throughout the year. We want that to happen. But really, uh, it comes down to when the co-ops were all in one space. I mean, as a collective, when we're all in one place, we're, we actually operate more efficiently. We get mm-hmm. much more patronage, patronage just because of the, uh, the amount of people coming to all the different exhibitions and you're seeing different shows all the time. And I think that's that synergy was once Navajo Street Art District kind of dissolved and Zip was left there alone um, and some of the galleries moved out to Lakewood, some of that synergy disappeared. Um, and now we're kind of in, a, in a, a state of flux trying to figure out where our feet's going to land, what are our co-op spaces going to look like in the next 10 years. We're not quite sure. Um, it's an experiment, and especially being in Lakewood. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'm st- I'm struck by how these co-ops, especially in, all throughout the metro, um, they have a long history. You know, these go back to the 80s, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we're thinking about cooperatives in Denver, they're some of the oldest cooperatives, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah. And so it would be a shame for artists um, to not have this space since they really do create culture and they provide incubation spaces for younger artists mm-hmm. as well as, um, like you said, blank canvases mm-hmm. for established artists to kind of have a full right. um, creative license. I, so, th- I do think that we need to, like a lot of these, I, th- I think there's going to be a whole new group of people in the future that are going to come along. I think Denver, 
there's going to be new co-ops started and I'm waiting. I'm just, I'm waiting. I know it's going to happen. You know, somebody's <laughs> going to do it and there's going to be some new, new artist run spaces are going to develop out of all this. That would be wonderful. Of course, my dream has always been there would be this wonderful old school or something that uh, had to shut down and they were looking for people to rent the space and all the co-ops would get together and everyone would get the equivalent of a classroom or something. And this would become a cultural beehive of excitement and creativity it hasn't happened yet but i keep hoping that's <laughs> i think that's an ideal <laughs> yeah i think one of the things that w- that i would love to see is taking the artist live workspace and really applying it to a cooperative so that you have more than just um rental income from you know that you have to pay for the gallery space you mm-hmm. also are paying rent for where you live, you know, and so there's a there's a synergy there maybe that would allow people. Yeah, we've invest, Pirate invested investigated some of that early on to see what spaces we could turn into actual studios and actually rent those studios out in conjunction with Pirate, um, because we were running into large spaces and we were trying to figure out how we could utilize that space. Um, but that just that opens up a whole nother. Uh, different set of issues of permitting, especially mm-hmm. like when somebody's living in a space. Now, you know, the rules become even stricter. And it's also different business models. There's, there are co-ops in Minneapolis, for instance, it's a real estate investment cooperative. And so essentially these neighbors got together and saw that this um, block of buildings was not being developed. It was sort of run down and they decided to buy it with their own money and pool all of their money together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that allowed them to open up businesses that they wanted to see in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So it would almost take something like that, like multiple artist cooperatives Mm -hmm. and artists coming together and forming something like a co-op of co-ops, like you were saying. Exactly. Oh, that's a dream. Well, you know, that <laughs> we fight. We fight so much amongst. I mean, we have such different visions of what a co-op is, and I, I, you know, I don't know who's going to bring that together, but whoever does, bless them if they can make that happen. That's fascinating. Can you tell me more about the different visions of cooperative governance or how it works? Well, you we know? were we were just discussing this earlier, Gene and I, about um, a leader. She, she, she believes that, you know, for the co-op, there needs to be a leader and somebody kind of like guiding, guiding, I guess, the, point the business. Person. <laughs> right, the point person. Pirate, on the other hand, doesn't have that structure. We're 32 members. Everybody has an equal voice. And uh, we're not necessarily, we don't have, everybody has a little job here and there, but nobody really is a point person because that just is a lot of responsibility on one person. And I mean, I, I know a lot of the artists don't have the time to devote to that, to listen to every conversation that everybody's having and to disseminate jobs and things like that. So I don't, I don't know if that would be possible with a place like Pirate. So that's just the difference between the two co-ops and why we wouldn't see eye to eye in our business model. Right. So I'm curious, how does Pirate make decisions then? As a group. And really, who shows up to the meeting? meetings makes the decisions. That's what happens. So it's about participation, your active participation. I guess my idea of having the the point person isn't that they're, um, it's not a dictatorship. No, no. (laughs) It's just the person that organizes the meetings and uh, perhaps gets the agenda ready and uh, and, and just sort of uh, keeps track of the way the meeting's running. More of a facilitator role. Yes, exactly. Not a dictator at all. That is what my thought is. But we have had uh, directors in the past and that just after the last one, 
moved on. Nobody picked up the reins, and we are the same as Pirate in that sense. We're just a, a group of people that um, when, when we need to review a new member, we come together, or if something that we need to all talk about together, we come together for a meeting. So we don't have a monthly meeting. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it's working. Uh, that's not the way I would choose to do it, but I'm just one of the members, and I'm I'm not going to be that leader person. I'm just going to be like everyone but Gene, else. Gene, you're too. good at it. You're good <laughs> at it. And I'm sure if you've been at any cooperative for any amount of time, you've probably seen the structures sort of change and evolve mm-hmm. with the different members who participate. Right. And maybe that is the new way. There I, isn't a particular leader. Well, and <laughs> in in Lakewood, we're fortunate enough to have Forty West working with us. The Forty West Arts has a staff of people by the city of Lakewood devoted to. Um, trying to revitalize the that West uh, Colfax area, um, where the where the Forty West is located, their offices are right behind us, and so they were just thrilled to get Pirate out there. And then Next came along, and then Edge moved in. Oh yeah, and so you're all out there. <laughs> so we all, we all started moving out there just because of affordability, because the city was was really courting us to actually develop their their art district and putting manpower and uh, people power behind it and putting some money behind it. So. Um, they are helping actually organize the co-ops. They are helping organize the art district. Um, unlike what we had to do on Navajo Street, where you started the Navajo Street Arts District, mm-hmm. we were trying to do that from scratch on our own with, I think, a, a, a lawyer. I don't know if he was pro bono or what in the background. but um, Trying to set up the, uh, the model. Yeah, the model. <laughs> but we already had the model in place at 40 West, so it just, uh-huh. it just made so much sense for us to move into that area. Totally. Did rent change for you? Did it go up once you moved? It went down. Oh, yeah! Congratulations. <laughs> so we got we, we we retained about the same amount of square footage, but at a uh, still a reasonable cost. Cool. So I have a question. A younger generation of artists that I'm seeing in Denver seems to favor the term "artist-run spaces." Mm-hmm. Have you heard that term being used? Yeah. Um, so. These organizations, I'm thinking of like people like Black Cube Nomadic Museum Mm -hmm. and um, Rhinoceropolis, Mm -hmm. some of the DIY spaces, they still tend to use cooperative economics. Mm -hmm. They're working together and maybe bringing their finances together. And they're also using cooperative governance. Some of them are making decisions together. Mm. How would you distinguish yourself from some of these spaces, though? Is there a difference? Well, well, the nomadic model, I've just been down the Black Cube and was talking Mm. with the woman that opened it. I forget what her name is. Courtney Stell. Courtney, yeah. So uh, she has an interesting vision, um, but she still hasn't figured out quite what that model, what it's going to look like. Um, You know, it's, it's still in the planning stages. And I think it's a great idea. But I do think that um, um, the way that we're organized is that you're at, you're guaranteed a space. You know what that space is going to be, and so the challenge is when you do pop-ups, where what is that space going to look like? Who's going to do the research to actually, you know, for those exhibitions? Who's going to you know go out and find that real estate? for you to occupy for that shorter period of time. All of the logistics. So the logistics and research requires a team of people to do that. And that's kind of what the co-ops do. We have a place to show, and you know what you have, and you can work for your show all year long or as long as you want to work on it to make it happen, and you know what it looks like. And it's easier, I think, than a pop-up to be here or there anywhere. You have to have sort of a generic, maybe, a little more generic show. I think, you know, artists 
they call them co-ops because they think they want to talk of it in terms of a business model. But I really think the term artist-run space is something I use when I fill out grants or anything like that to help describe what the co-op is. It mm. just, it just, it, it explains it rather well. It's run by the artists. Right. So. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so what is your vision for artist co-ops in 10 years from now? Like if you're just looking and kind of imagining, dreaming, what would you like to uh, see? I'd like to see 10 more out in Lakewood <laughs> all around us because we operate, we're more effective in numbers. Uh, we can create a nice big art district and every week you would be able to see at least two different shows, exhibitions. Um, so it'd be, um, and also uh, opening those spaces where it's not just about galleries, it's also about other amenities like coffee shops and and places to eat and places to drink and then you know the place where do the artists hang out where do we have those conversations once the show is done so that's the infrastructure um, should be there and I want to see more and more artist run spaces appearing but how do you add that infrastructure without going maybe as Rhino has mm -hmm. to the other side of well, the city, I think this, the city in some way needs to find a way to protect those spaces or help them or, or in some way uh, help with the financing in order to maintain those properties and maintain those spaces because they're not just an incubator for the artists, but they're the incubator for the culture of the city. Mm -hmm. um, where do you think people like other big galleries get their artists like David B. Smith or um, maybe Robichon, they find their artists from these other smaller galleries. This is their feeders, the, the, the feeders <laughs> from the local galleries. You know, I always say like Lakewood's, we're going to look like, we're going to look like Brooklyn to, to Chelsea. That's what's going to happen. Um, that's going to yeah, little, yeah. we're going to call ourselves little Brooklyn out there. I don't know. Wait, little Williamsburg. Yeah. <laughs> what are your, what is your vision, Gene? Oh, that sounds like a pretty good vision, Charles. I like that. And uh, wherever it is, whether it's in Lakewood or still in Denver or Inglewood um, or wherever, it turns out that everybody sort of gravitates there. I, I think that is the hope. That's the, the hope for success. And with and you have to have the coffee houses and the little restaurants and the other things that keep the people there. So, yeah, um, I know we're... Our, our 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 group is uh, the Navajo Street group is working with the Honey group, and Honey is like the umbrella that is a neighborhood group uh, where we're located, and they're dealing with the gentrification in their homes, as mm -hmm. and in the businesses, and so they're starting to talk about what can we do to support businesses, uh, creative spaces and so on and so forth so uh, maybe there'll be something that comes out of that discussion because it's just sort of starting to mm -hmm. roll on uh and and happen but i'm i'm hopeful that something will happen and if it doesn't happen there then maybe zip will be out in lakewood and uh you know be part of that group <laughs> i mean we have meow wolf from santa fe just announced it's moved to denver and i think in two years that building should be constructed but i think that uh, the reason that they chose Denver is because we are culturally uh, innovative, our arts are growing, um, and they want to be a part of that kind of experience that's happening in Denver. Um, and I still think there's plenty of room for a lot of artist-run spaces to develop. Certainly. So, And I'd love to see tons of different districts all over the city in different places. So, 
Yeah, Great. That, that was like the 80s. The 80s. <laughs> yeah. the 80s we Pro- had a prob- lot. When real estate was a little cheap. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Right. It was the bust cycle. <laughs> yeah, and there were a lot of good spaces for artists because it was affordable then. Right. And we didn't need heat either. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. We've been talking to Gene Smith of Zip 37 Gallery and Charles Livingston from Pirate Contemporary Art. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Oh, thank, thank you. you. So if you are interested in meeting up with the Colorado Studies Co-op's Study Circle, we will actually be attending a couple of new events coming up. So on March 1st, Rocky Mountain Employee Ownership Center is hosting their third annual day at the Capitol. This is a day to advocate on behalf of employee-owned businesses, which includes worker cooperatives. So please join Rocky Mountain Employee Ownership Center and members of the Cooperative Study Circle from 7.30 a.m. until 1 p.m. We'll be talking to our legislators. And then additionally, the Co-op Study Circle is hosting a cooperative investment club that is meeting monthly on the first Wednesday of every month. Uh, In March, the club will be meeting on March 7th at the Grow House. So this this is the event that is going to decide the elections of the club leaders. So if you're interested in the investment club and learning more about how to invest in cooperatives, That's the event to attend. You're listening to the Cooperative Power Hour, a regular feature on KGNU's It's the Economy and a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. I'm Paul Vendel, and we'll be with you on the fourth Thursday of every month. Today, we're talking about artist cooperatives in Metro Denver. And coming up, we'll be hearing from all four of our guests on some of the challenges that their cooperatives have faced as Denver experiences increasing gentrification pressures. listening to the Co-op Power Hour, a regular feature of KGNU's It's the Economy and a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. I'm Paul Bindle, and we'll be with you on the fourth Thursday of every month. Today, we're talking about artist co-ops in Metro Denver, and we're returning to our conversation with Stephanie and Michael Hancock of 5280 Artist Co-op in Aurora, and Mark Brajewell of Spark Gallery in the Santa Fe Art District in Denver. So I wanted to ask all of you here, um, what are some of the challenges that you faced as a co-op? What are some of the things that your co-op has experienced either um, in particular in the day-to-day operations or maybe in a larger sort of context with Denver? Well, I think the the good news is, is that the challenges that we might have seen, uh, let's say 10 years ago because of the internet and all the tools available are slowly uh, going away. And I think our, our biggest one, and I think this we probably all share, is continuing to uh, create uh, events that people are really interested in and find value in growing our, our audience. Although we might have the tools to do that, you still have to use the tools, right? And a lot of us are still getting, uh, are at the point where, you know, the Facebook is is there. You can uh, uh, buy Facebook ads and you can target certain groups of people. Uh, But developing a uh, rigor around actually doing that on a routine basis and measuring your results is something that uh, is still somewhat of a challenge. So I think, to me, that's the big one of the big ones. The next one I would say is uh, 
sponsorship, right? Finding sponsors that, you know, contribute to uh, what it is that you're doing and finding a value proposition that really is attractive to sponsors because that actually also helps to uh, uh, continue to bring in revenue and, and drive your, your growth and your activities. I think from a technical uh, aspect, just running a gallery, especially in a president, vice president kind of situation is, and I've, I've tell people this all the time when they become presidents, and like, you don't know how many people are in this gallery until you become president. Mm. You know all of them. <laughs> they all know you too. So it's a, it's a fine line of trying to structure what you want the gallery to do, handle problems that come up kind of at a way, way higher level and let the gallery know in a way that is not you know 25 people need to give their input right now it's it's it gets difficult when you get more people involved in it uh spark has been very good about making decisions at higher levels and uh letting the gallery be creative and do things uh in an interesting way rather than just uh oh who's going to pay this bill so eliminate all that stuff and then you get to talk about art which we do and in our space, because we're part of the Aurora Cultural Arts District, we share the space with like eight other people. So it's finding time on the calendar so that you can get your events done and then, you know, have the space because the spacing is limited. I think eventually we're going to outgrow our space, which is a good problem to have. But right now, you know, as we're building, like Michael had indicated, growing our audience and really creating that following, it can be a challenge for us. And so how do, just sort of, I'm sort of curious, how do you all pay rent at Spark Gallery through member contributions or? Yes, um, generally a cooperative space, at least the ones that I'm familiar with, you pay uh, what's called a monthly due. Uh, Iris is currently uh, not that much, uh, $60. Uh, there are places that go up all the way up to 150 bucks per uh, month. That money is used to pay rent to utilities, to buy, you know, uh, cups and that kind of thing for the for the gallery, any kind of repairs that we need, uh, although the landlord is mainly responsible for that. Um, we do save money, so we can, if something, uh, some kind of problem happens, uh, we may be moving at some point in the future, uh, so we would use that money for that. Uh, we also get, we are 5013C, so we do get contributions from uh, people often. We, on the other hand, are uh, an LLC. So we do not have any nonprofit arms or anything like that. That's why sponsorship is important for us as sponsorship, um, like naming rights to our events. But we pay, we, ha we have an office space and we pay our rent based on the events that we have every month. So we do poetry, music, those kind of things, and that pays our rent. Yeah, also we'll have uh, shows w where we uh, invite people or do an open entry call, and that money is always used for the production of the gallery. Okay, and so, Mark, with your artist, um, do almost all of them have their own studio spaces somewhere yes, else? Yes, yes. We, we do not have currently studio space in the gallery. Everyone works from their own studio, some from their homes, some from a professional studio. Um, it is kind of what the cooperative scene is about. It's kind of a DIY, do-it-yourself kind of thing. And we just offer the space to show those re the results of your labor. Yeah, and can you tell me a little bit more about the age ranges or the um, just the member ranges mm -hmm. in terms of demographics or 
Well, what? of actual members that are here, uh, I would say uh, anywhere from your 20s to we have someone that is in their 80s. So uh, it, it can fluctuate often. Sometimes, especially since we're in Denver, uh, Boulder, uh, DU, Metro, all of those places have people come out of the art system and need a place to show. So sometimes you'll get an influx of younger people. Uh, but the people that have stayed here, you know, it can be anywhere from 20 to 80. Yeah, and since uh, 5280 Artists Co-op only has really four, it's a company that has four people in it, right? Our, our, we would consider the membership more than anything else to be all the community of artists that we invite in to participate in, it, in things. And in that case, then, we have, you know, kids ranging from 14 to 15 that we work with uh, up to people that are in their 70s or, or, or 80s. Excellent. So what all do you imagine... And what all do you hope for Denver's artist scene and for the future of Denver art? Like if we're imagining 10 years from now, what are you hoping will, will be around, um, for, especially in terms of artist co-ops or spaces for artists? Well, I think Colorado, especially Denver, is well known for the cooperative scene. Uh, basically, it started in the late 70s, early 80s of these just kind of punk rock people that created these art scenes where anybody can do things. I think in the future, it's gonna be limitless. And I would hope that uh, bigger organizations like the Denver Art Museum, the uh, Contemporary Art Museum, will embrace more of their local artists and show local art as a viable uh, art alternative to having very expensive people. And we would like to see the Aurora District grow. Um, right now, it's kind of like the redheaded stepchild of Denver. And we want people to know that Aurora has a lot to offer. And as you can see, if you've ever been out in that area, how it is changed. I've lived in Aurora for 30 years, and I've seen it change drastically since I first moved there. And I would like to see the not only the city, but everyone else, because it's the most diverse community in the state. So to see all those groups be represented artistically up and down the Aurora Cultural Arts District corridor that we have and that goes from Dayton all the way up to Havana. Okay, well, thank you all for um, meeting with us today and sort of adding your voices and sharing about your artist co-ops. Um, we've been talking to Stephanie and Michael Hancock of 5280 Artist Co-op in Aurora in the Aurora Cultural Arts District. And we've also been talking to Mark Brajwell of Spark Gallery, which is in the Santa Fe Art District on 9th and Santa Fe. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. You're listening to the Co-op Power Hour on KGNU's It's the Economy, a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. We wanted to ask two members of two other artist co-ops the same question. So we're talking now to Gene Smith of Zip 37 
an artist co-op in the Navajo Art District, as well as Charles Livingston from Pirate Contemporary Art, which is over in 40 West Arts District in Lakewood, Colorado. So, Jean and Charles, we kind of are wondering, what are some of the challenges that you, that you have faced or that your co-op has faced, um, both maybe recently uh, or historically? Well, probably the biggest uh, challenge has been the fact that uh, our landlords raised the rent for the four galleries that were on our corner of 37th and Navajo, and that caused three of the four galleries to feel like they needed to leave because the rates got so high they couldn't figure out how they could pay for them. And the only reason our gallery stayed was because our space is smaller and our rent didn't go up quite as bad, and we all agreed that we would pay more monthly as a member and uh, and give more uh, percentage of our sales to help pay for the rent and the lights and this and that and the other thing. And so Pirate Gallery and um, Zip 37 were located near each other. That's correct. On Navajo uh-huh. and 37. There was, uh, well, the three that left were Pirate and Next and Edge, and they coincidentally all ended up at the 40 West. <laughs> right. We're now in Lakewood. So, so I, I think that's one of our challenges. The one thing she's speaking about is the, um, the issue of uh, the gentrification of the neighborhood, the rising taxes, um, and the cost of, uh, you know, the, the, the property costs just rising. Um, even the, the local uh, Patsy's, which was a local eatery, an Italian restaurant, uh, they were kind of, they decided to stop, what is it, they retired, shut it down. Yeah, the, um, the, on, the owner was right. ill, and they decided they better get so on. We, so that area, we've been grandfathered in to a, a lot of, like, uh, privileges, you know, that came with being on the property and the way that we were using it. Um, and then as soon as the rates started going up on us, uh, this um, rates start going up on us, we had to start looking for a new place to go. And so we probably looked at about 10 or 15 places throughout Denver. And we were constantly running up against the wall of like some kind of a construction issue or permitting for something by the city of Denver. And because Denver's in such an amazing city boom, I'm building boom right now. The city's, you know, they, they can take their time. They can issue permits, you know, for everything that... Um, that they need to have accomplished and so everything's up to code in the city but uh and meanwhile you guys want to do shows <laughs> you want to show do exhibitions art. but we don't have that type of income to actually put mm-hmm. into hiring an architect uh, hiring out for contractors to do all this work so you know when we got into that position we realized we couldn't stay in denver because of the rising costs so um this sort of this pressure this economic pressure has kind of challenged some like historic um, mm-hmm. cooperative spaces. So how old was Pirate before, or how long has Pirate been around? Well, let's see, Pirate, um, Spark was actually one of the older ones. Um, they're still here on Santa Fe. Uh, Pirate, it's been around for about 35 years. So started a little bit after Spark. So it's had a long, long history as, as an experimental kind of co-op place where if you were, I went to school at Metro State University. The Pirate was started by students from Metro State University. Um, And that's where I would go to get an education about any type of contemporary art. You had the Denver Art Museum, you had maybe Robichon Gallery, which was more of a blue chip, really nice space to see 
uh, contemporary and modern work, but where would you go to see the local artists and see really interesting work? So Pirate was a place where a lot of people would congregate, and that's where my secondary education came from, is just listening to those conversations, how to deal with, how to deal with a project and stuff like that. So, so just to clarify, I know this might be a question you might have gotten before, but um, was the option of ownership or buying a, buying a space for the co-op ever on the table? Mm, and not for our group. Uh, you have to have a little money in the bank, and most of the time the co-ops are just sort of flying by the seat of their pants. You pay for your rent, you pay for electricity, you do a little advertising, um, and, you know, that's about it because nobody that's in the group wants to pay a whole lot every month, and therefore you either need a lot of people in the group to make a lot of money or you need a small space that's affordable for a smaller amount. See, we have... 16 basically 16 people in our group total and um, the other groups have I think more don't we, you have more we run two shows every three weeks so we have 32 <laughs> artists and they pay in $60 60 to 65 dollars a month just to have oh, one yeah. exhibition a year hmm. yeah and our group pays more than that and uh, we get one uh, one exhibition a year as well for three weeks and uh, we're constantly rotating through artists because they they fall on hard times they lose their job they can't afford uh, they can't afford those monthly dues um, we try to help them out as best we can we, we you know give them some some time to make those payments or make a plan for them but it's sometimes it's just not feasible mm-hmm so I'm curious then for both of you what ideas are circulating in your co-op or your community to resist displacement or to plan for greater artist sti- stabilization that is a good question. <laughs> um, how do we prepare for that? Well, I guess by uh, what, like I said, we upped our our dues and we upped the amount that the gallery takes. What you percentage know, did you increase it? Uh, we were taking ten percent of sales, and we um, are now taking twenty percent in sales of everything we sell to go to the gallery, and we were paying. I think $70 a month, and now we're paying $80 a month. So we, the burden is on us, the, the people, the, the artists in the group, to keep it afloat. And uh, hopefully people make sales because then when things are sold, then that helps to pay for the rent and all the other things. So I guess it's important to make sales if we want to stay alive. Yeah, I don't, you know, the way we retain artists probably is we do keep our costs down. We don't take a percentage of their sales if they make any. Um, Pirate's been a little bit more experimental, and we show things that you can't show in most commercial spaces or uh, more difficult to do a pop-up exhibition because, you know, some of these projects take so long to complete, and they're designed specifically for the space. So um, I think that's one of the attractions. You can do things you can't do in other places, but also the lower costs that we, we keep for our, for our members. Excellent. You're listening to the Co-op Power Hour on KGNU's It's the Economy, a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. You can catch us on the fourth Thursday of every month. I'm Paul Bindle, and we'd like to thank our guests this evening, Gene Smith and Charles Livingston. You can find more about them at, what are your websites? www.zip37.com I think I'm not quite sure what ours are. We just changed our website, but I think it's still pirateartonline.org. 
Great. So the, our other two guests can be found at, uh, if you search 5280 Artist Co-op, as well as sparkcalorygallery.com. Please share this and previous shows at our website, coloradocoops.info. Thanks for tuning in to the Co-op Power Hour on It's the Economy.